the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Text for our meditation this morning are the words that were read from the gospel reading as Pastor Dan uh, just mentioned a little bit ago. Have any of you ever been a victim of identity theft? I have one person nodding her head. Oh, we got two. All right. Uh, one or two words, how bad was it for you? Caught it quickly. Huh? You I caught it quickly? Caught it. Oh, that's a good thing. And what? Caught it within a day. So you caught it within a day, too. Okay. So that, it, it's good when you can catch it pretty quick, right? But there's a lot of different people who find themselves with a lot of different challenges with identity theft, right? I, thankfully, I've never had to deal with identity theft, at least not in what we normally think about with being caught, where somebody has my social security number or some of that other personal information that can really be damaging, if you will, when they get a hold of that and they can do all sorts of things that we know are not good. So what is identity theft, according to Merriam-Webster? It's the illegal use of someone's personal information, such as a social security number, especially in order to obtain money or credit. Sadly, identity theft is pretty common today. Nearly 60 million Americans have been affected by identity theft, according to a two, 2018 online survey by the Harris Poll. That same survey indicates that nearly 15 million consumers experienced identity theft in 2017. So while there are many stories about identity theft in the news, what we really hear a lot more about today are the data breaches. The data breaches in which a company or another organization's customers' records that have the full names, social security numbers, other personal information are accessed fraudulently. In 2017, the Identity Theft Resource Center counted a new record high of over 1,500 data breaches, exposing more than 178 million records. The big one, you might remember it begins with the name E. Equifax. Nearly 150 million people were potential victims. The kind of information that was exposed was significant. Social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, and in some circumstances, driver's licenses. So identity theft has become, indeed, something more of a threat in our highly digitized 21st century. But in truth, identity theft is really not that new. It's really an old trick. This morning, on this first Sunday in Lent, our gospel reading was all about identity theft. It was Luke's account of our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. 
temptation. Sometimes we think about temptation as being encouraged to do something or to take something or to consume something that we know is bad for us. We think of temptation as encouragement toward some sinful behavior. You know what I mean. When we're tempted to click on that site that pollutes our minds. When we are tempted to grab more and more for ourselves and give less and less for others. When we're tempted to blurt out those words that we know will hurt our spouse. Temptations, then, as we often think about it, is usually encouragement towards some sinful behavior, some sinful action that will cause harm either to us or to someone else. So that's part of temptation. But this morning, as we reflect upon Jesus' temptation, we see that there's something much deeper that's going on when we are tempted as well. Do you recall how the devil began his temptation of Jesus? If. If you are the Son of God. The devil wasn't after Jesus' social security number or his credit card. He was after Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God. In other words, you aren't really the Son of God. What God says about you really isn't true. And then he offered Jesus bread and security and glory. When the devil tempts you, and when the devil tempts me and my brothers and sisters in Christ, the devil is certainly at work tempting you. Even now. He doesn't simply encourage us to do some bad behavior. He challenges us. He tempts us to question our identity. Think of these things that the devil throws at you. Or sometimes just puts into your mind subtly. If you're a child of God... Why doesn't God provide for you like he does everyone else? If you are a forgiven believer in Jesus, and if God loves to forgive, then what does it matter if you put yourself first? If God really paid for your sins, then why do those feelings of guilt still linger? Maybe God doesn't love you as much as you think. Maybe God doesn't really forget what you've done. If you are saved by Jesus, and if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then why bother caring for the people whose names are not written in the book of life? It's their problem after all. It's not yours. 
And if you're just a regular Christian, you know, you're not a pastor or another professional worker, then you really don't know what to say to that unsaved person, to that relative or that neighbor or that person you come in contact with. After all, it's probably better for you to just keep your mouth shut so you don't say something wrong. Temptation is very much like identity theft. The tempter tries to twist and distort who we are. Do you remember what the devil said to Eve in the garden? Did God really say? He attacks our identity. He encourages us to find our identity in something other than Jesus. And when we begin to listen to him, we then become afraid. Doubt. And have selfishness and disregard for others. Now, Jesus saw the, through the devil's temptation, right? The devil offered him bread when he was starving. 40 days of not having any food. But what did Jesus do? Jesus quoted the scripture. It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then the devil offered Jesus the power of world leaders in return for Jesus' allegiance and worship. But Jesus knew that his loyalty only belonged to God the Father, and that's why Jesus quoted the first commandment. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil suggested that God's promise of protection needed to be proved. Faith isn't enough, so he told Jesus to jump from the pinnacle of the temple, and Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus wasn't just quoting the scriptures to shoot down these specific temptations. Jesus returned to the scriptures because they made clear to us who God is and who we are. On the basis of scriptures, Jesus understood his identity and he would not let the devil steal it. Indeed, Jesus' identity had just been reaffirmed. Do you remember what Luke says about what Jesus had just done? What had just happened to him at the beginning of Luke chapter 4? He says, and when Jesus was returning... From the Jordan. Do you remember what happened at the Jordan River? Jesus was baptized. And there when he was baptized, God the Father said something. You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father announced Jesus' identity. He was God's son. Jesus' identity was celebrated and confirmed at his baptism. You are my son. 
And God has spoken of our identity. And our identity was confirmed when we were baptized as well. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit said, You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I forgive you. And I give you the promise of eternal life. And I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, you are loved. I am loved. And we are forgiven. We are called Christians. And our Lord and Savior has sent us to love as we have been loved and to forgive as we have been forgiven. We are Christ's ambassadors sent into this world, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, Wherever God sends us, he promises to go with us and to give us the words to speak. So we can be confident and we can be Christ's servants and we can love as our Savior helps us to do so. A good friend of mine tells me the story of growing up and living in his parents' home. And whenever he would go somewhere, Parents would drop him off. Didn't matter whether it was the scout camp, overnight to a friend's house, his parents would always leave him with these words. Remember who you are. He knew who he was. And it was important for him to remember that his actions and his words reflected on them. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And may we, by God's grace, celebrate our identity as sisters and brothers in Christ and share his love as he gives us that opportunity. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes our human understanding. Guard and protect us in the Christian faith unto life everlasting. Amen.